0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete.
2: Thanks to everyone who supports Daily Tech News Show directly. To find out more, head to slash supports.
3: This is Daily Tech News for Wednesday, November 14th, 2018,
0: in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt.
2: And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane.
0: And I'm Roger Chang, the producer of the show.
3: Uh, Scott Johnson, usually with us on Wednesdays, is out sick today. So send him your well wishes. We hope it gets better soon. Uh, we're going to have you prepare the main segment for today's show. We got some great emails from folks uh, who are affected by the Amazon headquarter decision and we'll share their insights with you a little later on. But let's start with a few tech things you should know.
2: Pocket Cast updated its Android and iOS apps with new ability to play an episode without subscribing, search episodes from a podcast listing, plus more curated sections for discovery and cross-platform queue support, episode listening history, and better Apple Watch support as well. It also now recognizes season and episode numbering. Hmm.
3: Samsung says its forthcoming Exynos 9 Series 9820 chip has a pretty hot neural processing unit, seven times faster than the 9810, which is used in some models of the Galaxy S9, so you can guess the Exynos might be used in some models of the S10. Samsung also claims the 9820 delivers 20% better conventional single core performance, 15% multi core, and a 40% rise in power efficiency. The 9820's GPU uses ARM's Mali G76 cores and can handle 8K video. Exynos 920 goes into mass production by the end of the year.
2: The Star in Malaysia reports that Netflix is testing a mobile-only plan within the country. The new tier costs 17 ringgit, or about U.S. $4. It's about half the price of the previous most basic tier, which sells for 33 ringgits per month. Netflix confirmed that the trial is running in a few countries overall.
3: Let's talk a little more about Intel's stick. Uh, Intel likes to make compute sticks, and they have announced the neural compute stick, the NCS-2. It's a thumb drive with a self-contained neural network running on a Movidius Myriad X-Vision processing unit. Uh, VPU, if you will. Uh, it lets users train machine learning systems locally. So as long as you have a Linux system with a USB 3.0 port, plug this thing in. Uh, they even have a picture of somebody with a USB uh, uh, USB extension where they plugged in multiples of them. Uh, and then you can use it for your machine learning projects without having to rent space in the cloud or buy expensive machinery. And the NCS2 sells for 100 bucks from Intel, so this is going to be something very affordable for developers.
2: All right, so Tom, what's your best guess at how a developer would prefer this over something in the cloud? Because I'm just sort of, you know, if if it's if 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 storage is of the utmost concern, this just has another layer of security, I would imagine.
3: Yeah, it's another layer of security. It's convenience. It's not having to pay uh, for for the privilege. To, to use a cloud system. Now, now granted, there's lots of, of free systems out there for, for doing some machine learning, but it just gives you full control. Uh, and, and you can be offline. I don't know how much of a concern that is, uh, but I know having the the ability to make this more portable, put it in, in your own system uh, is going to be appealing. And, and the only negative would be the cost, but at a hundred bucks, I'd be tempted to get one of these and play around with them if I had some time. Yeah, no kidding. So yeah, I think this is going to be cool. And in fact, if there are any developers out there in the audience who think they'll benefit from this or, or have already ordered one maybe uh, today, uh, send us an email, feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com.
2: All right, let's move on to something that is very cool. Google has released the Night Sight camera mode for all three of its Pixel phones to pretty universal praise. If you read the rags, it lets you take pictures in the dark without any additional hardware, without a tripod, and long exposure. Night Sight uses an algorithm to assemble a burst of consecutive frames, so you know it frames in 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 in, in consecutive order, and also a picture with enough light into it to make that picture, it takes into account motion of the phone, motion of objects in the scene, amount of light overall, it takes fewer exposures for longer if the camera still versus when it's handheld because it knows that it's being moved around. It's also trained to adjust color correction and white balance. There is a negative. Photos may not look like they were taken at night. It also doesn't deal well with, la- f- with fast-moving objects like cars or brightly lit objects. So there are some... There, there are some issues with this. However, the idea that being able to take a low light photo, which is difficult. I mean, even some the best cameras have, have issues with this because the whole idea is that the shutter has to be open for longer, which means that things are more blurry. That's just sort of the nature of how photography works. To be able to put an array of photos together to make that low light photo look brighter is very, very smart. Now, of course, you know, as as The Verge points out in their article, which is a really good uh, overview of, of what this does, it does tend to blow out a photo. So if you're looking for that kind of, you know, night alleyway type thing, you might not get that. But you could say that about lots of different sensors.
3: Yeah, it's, it's truly for night Filming. In fact, uh, he, he points out in the Verge article that this isn't great in a city where you have a lot of light around. Uh, you might not want to use it. And Google is actually pretty good at suggesting when it needs to be used. You, you can put it into place, but, but it'll kind of turn itself on. It'll give you the I- option to turn it on when it thinks you need it. And then you don't have to do anything else. It just, when, once it's on, it's on, and it, it does its thing. It's all in software. So you, like you said, it doesn't have to have long exposures. It's it's doing it in software. And and yeah, if you've got enough light, it may overcompensate in certain ways. But, but again, as you said, it's doing more than just brightness. It's doing color correction. It's doing white balance. And in truly dark situations where your eyes have enough light to see, but a picture would never come out, this is performing miracles.
0: This is this is actually really impressive because what it means is that whoever makes i mean if 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 google's willing to license the technology to other android handset makers that means they don't need to necessarily give you the fastest glass you don't need the the most sensitive largest sensor because essentially what it's doing is what for digital photographers do right now which is they manipulate the you shoot in RAW. And you manipulate the image afterwards to try to get eke out the best quality image out of the information you have. And what's really fascinating is they're taking the whole HDR concept. When you do an HDR photo, you take one at a low exposure so you get all the highlights at the at the at the upper end. Uh, you take one in the middle as kind of uh, uh, your baseline, and then you take one at the upper end where you get all the uh, all the all the parts of the image that are too dark to normally see, and then you composite them on top of each other in order to bring out everything equally. And this is essentially just one step beyond that where it does the same process where it takes a bracket photo of three or four shots and then it comparatively adjusts the image so you end up with an image that looks uh, may- maybe not pleasing, but it's visible. Like, you can see stuff. You can see someone's face instead of just, like, you know, a tint off their glasses or or maybe a hint of an eyeball. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and it's it's, c- it's really... Really cool because, as you said, this is all in software, and it's something that, like, hey, you know what? This this they have a flagship phone, but I can get the same technology in in a you know midweight phone that does something similar. So I don't necessarily need to buy the flagship phone because I want to be able to take a shot at a bar or something. (laughs) Well,
3: you're hoping. uh, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Right now, you need to buy the flagship phone. Although, uh, to your point, Google released this for all three models of the Pixel. Now, you don't get all the features if you're on the original Pixel because the original Pixel just doesn't have uh, all the machinery it needs to take advantage of this. But, But you can get it. Uh, so because it's software, they're rolling it out to all their models, which is great. Uh, it's also, you know, I don't want folks to be confused. It's not just brightening and it's not just doing what HDR does as Roger explained. It's also adding some machine learning. It can do that color correction. It can add detail. It can sharpen things. Uh, I, I, I think the verge has a really of the ones that I read the best, uh, demonstration of this because they do the thing where you can slide back and forth between, an untreated photo and the photo taken with Night Sight on. And with Night Sight on, it's it's a world of difference. Now, in a couple of them, you can see like, oh, you know, this bright object at night looks better without Night Sight. So you get to see both sides of it. Uh, but it's pretty amazing what it can do in, in super low light situations. Mozilla has published a guide called Privacy Not Included, ...that evaluates the security of popular holiday gift items. It's Mozilla's gift guide for what both to buy and maybe not to buy. 33 of the 70 products in the guide carry a Mozilla badge that says they meet minimum security standards. So automatically being encrypted, automatic security updates, requiring you to change a default password if there is a default password, stuff like that. Really targeting Internet of Things. Product descriptions also include things like whether a device uses its camera or its microphone or its location services to track you. Uh, So some of the ones with a badge are the Nintendo Switch, the Google Home, the Amazon Echo, Apple TV, iPad, PS4, Xbox One. Uh, this is not a bash guide. This is saying, hey, we look at the practices of these devices. We're not talking about whether you trust the company, but what do the devices do with your privacy? Does that meet our minimum standards? Kind of a cool idea.
2: Yeah, it really is. It's also uh, you know, if you if you look at the privacy not included list, it's nicely done site, uh, and many products that I'm like, okay, I mean, was I worried about these? Not necessarily, but it's nice to get that Mozilla seal of approval if you were.
3: Well, yeah, especially, okay. Let's take the Mycroft Mark one. Uh, it's a smart speaker. It's off brand, but maybe I find, uh, a, a little bit of a deal on it. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, I might buy this for one of my relatives, my, my sister or my, my father,
2: Sure. But there's less of that brand. know. Maybe you haven't worked with this company before. You're not totally sure. And Mozilla has done your research for you.
3: Yeah. It's meets our minimum security standards. Okay. Suddenly I feel a little better uh, about it. And if I want to dig in myself, it'll talk about what kind of encryption it uses, what its privacy policy is, uh, what kind of controls I have. You can can dig into some of the stats there. Uh, It's at the Mozilla Foundation, mozilla.org. We'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. Go check it out.
2: Sorry, I'm looking at this adorable alarm clock that I just really want now. <laughs> now we know it's good
3: Sarah for holidays.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Vazelle. Yes. Was that <laughs> obvious enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> Alphabet-owned DeepMind's health division, including the Stream app for assisting doctors and nurses, will be transferred to Alphabet-owned Google's. Google health division. Mm. The deep mind health division has partnerships with 10 NHS hospitals to process medical data in the UK. The stream app ran into controversy over its use of 1.6 million patients data in Royal free hospital in London, lawyer and privacy expert, Julia Powell's pointed out that DeepMind promised to never connect people's intimate identifiable health data to Google accounts, products or services and deemed the transfer trust demolition. DeepMind told the BBC that patient data remains under our N- NHS partners' strict control.
0: Yeah,
3: this is a tricky one. Uh, I I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to say it's trust demolition. I think the trust was already maybe demolished if you're upset about this. If you don't trust Google, you're not going to like health information being transferred to Google. And remember, there was a problem with those NHS uh, hospital data uh, they, they, they were uh, slapped on the wrist by the courts for not properly informing people that the information was being used, although they did not think it was being used irresponsibly. It's just the, that you needed to disclose it. It was, it was an- anonymized and aggregated and protected yeah. in all the right ways. Uh, DeepMind is right that this is all under the hospital's control, uh, so it's compliant with the law. So really, moving it to Google Health Division shouldn't be a problem unless you don't trust google Google. and you don't (laughs) trust that google is going to keep being a good steward of this kind of information yeah it's just it it, it makes you sigh right because it's it's not that google is going to do anything right like i can't i can't
2: really poke holes in what's going on here but i understand why people would say well but why
3: yeah and 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 it's because they think, well, Google could use this data to inform their advertising. Google could use this data without telling us, again, the way DeepMind did once. Uh, Google could do this and that. And, you know, I, I think you can overrate this sort of thing. But the fact that DeepMind promised never to connect it with Google accounts, products, or services. I mean, Google can continue to say that, except that Google Health is a Google service. So now you have to hedge it and say, we'll never connect it to Google accounts, products or other Google services. But then if you don't connect it to a Google account and it's Google health, well, that seems kind of weird, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned hedging, this sort of uh, sort of thing, especially if you're in the legal field, if you see at the outset, oh, well, if this is happening, well, Google better not do anything with people's information, then the company may be less likely to do so in the future. And at least you're on record of saying that, you know, you had a problem with it way back when.
3: Verizon announced its capital expenditures would decline and deployment of infrastructure would remain the same. So in other words, not increase. Uh, Sprint and AT&T have also reduced their overall capital expenditures numbers for 2018. The carriers attribute the declining investment to timing uh saying like oh well we just kind of finished some investment and then we won't be needing more investment until later so it's not going to happen this year uh as well as more efficient technologies uh saying that new technology means we just don't have to spend as much to get the same punch uh out of our investment so we you know virtualization things like that mean that 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 we're reducing our cost which is great all of this is good news if the savings cascade down to us which they may or may not as far as, you know, they, I think we overestimate how much they don't. They definitely cascade down to us slower uh, than we would like. But, but you know, eventually uh, we did see unlimited plans sort of spread themselves around with caveats, but still better than the the high-priced metering that we had before. On the other hand, Sarah... Didn't these companies all say that the reason they needed the open internet guidelines repealed was so that they could take off the shackles and increase investment?
2: Yeah, I am glad to hear that 5G deployment will be so inexpensive for all these big companies and will uh you know uh, uh, in, enjoy uh, uh the the next wave of of connectivity. Yeah, I don't know, man. <sighs> Okay, I, I think I think a lot of this is you know it depends on region and and it, it, if there's not a lot of infrastructure that that uh, Verizon in this particular case is going to be uh, putting a lot of investment into over the next year, couple of years, sure, okay, but um, it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me based on how many regions of the world.
1: To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today.
2: Really, But, you know, it, it, as far as Ver- Verizon's market or, or any particular market goes, that a company would be like, well, we're pretty much done.
3: Yeah. I, I think it's tempting to want to spin the narrative to be, you You lied about uh, declining infrastructure before to get net neutrality repealed. And now, uh, you were lying about increasing investment after net neutrality got repealed and you're just a bunch of liars. Uh, I don't know that that's actually what's going on, but I think it is fair to say like, Hey, you don't necessarily make a case that you needed these shackles off. If your investment was pretty much level, and is continuing to be the level or declining because of technology. Because what what you're saying here is the technology allowed the investment. And so even if net neutrality rules had increased the cost, uh, it wasn't going to increase it as much as they were trying to make people think it would have. Folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to DailyTechHeadlines.com. We got a lot of cool reactions uh, from people affected by the Amazon headquarters story, Sarah.
2: Yeah, we really did, and we're going to read a few of them now and kind of kind of kind of pick them apart and, and see what we agree with. Arthur from Arlington, Virginia notes that Amazon's current operations in the area, which as we noted on the show yesterday are, are, are already pretty vast, are in Ashburn. Arthur says that's well outside the Beltway and the people working and living there are not going to want to commute into Arlington. Amazon's inside the Beltway operations are, quote, mainly tied to the government. And these are not really HQ functions. So Arthur doesn't think that this counts as an expansion for Amazon, really. He and uh, Pete also pointed out something that a lot of coverage didn't pass on, which is that Virginia Tech will be opening a technology campus adjacent to Amazon.
3: So, okay, the, these, are, these are good on-the-ground reports from someone actually in Virginia. I love this. Thank you, Arthur. Uh, granted, I think it's fair to say, okay, the folks out in Ashburn aren't going to be feeding into Amazon's current operations, but it is still an area that Amazon is familiar with and, and was negotiating with. And I don't think they ever thought they would move the people in, but but it's, it's a fair point. The Inside the Beltway stuff, though, I don't know what Amazon is going to use this second regional office. It's not even an HQ anymore. It's a regional office for. My suspicion is that it probably will have a lot to do with the government cloud, gov cloud that Amazon operates, uh, especially if they get that DoD bid thereafter. That will probably operate out of there because it's right next to the Pentagon. Uh, so I'm, I'm less inclined to accede to to the inside the beltway not mattering because it's government stuff. I I I think it really does. Uh but yeah, maybe it's unfair to say that that folks being out in the Ashburn are 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 part of a of an operation that really has any effect on something pretty far away uh in, in right on the Potomac basically. Um so uh, I I don't know. What do you what do you think of this, Sarah?
2: Well, uh, you know, one of the things that um, I I didn't realize, um, and thank you, Arthur, uh, is pointing out the Virginia Tech huge college uh, opening a technology campus adjacent to Amazon and how the two might, you know, Amazon might funnel in money for research projects, uh, which would make a lot of sense. And like you said, the region itself is definitely skewed government wise. But I think a lot of folks don't realize, you know, even when you hear Arlington, Virginia, it's like, well, it's adjacent to Washington, D.C. Oh, okay, (laughs) Oh, all right. So, you know, you're you're in this you're in this actually huge metropolitan area that's not. Yes, they are. They are separate from each other, but collectively um, it's it's closer to a lot of. industry than than one might think if they're not familiar with that yeah there's a little
3: silicon valley kind of feel uh yeah in in, in virginia aol used to when when i was living in arlington uh the big aol skyscraper was right there in downtown arlington you could see it across the potomac when you're in dc i
2: mean when i was working for aol that's still where the headquarters was yeah yeah i never went there but that's where it was well too bad i think it's gone now Uh, (laughs) that's perhaps true Oath now, but no, now it's something else. Paul in New York continued the Amazon feedback, noting that real estate developers are happy about this because of the glut of already unoccupied high-end housing in New York was on the verge of causing a recession in the real estate industry, while local residents in Queens are likewise upset at the prospect of even more gentrification of the borough and further rises in rent and cost of living. Economic policies in New York are always a delicate balance between appeasing those two groups. Hmm. Paul goes on to say that the search by Amazon reminded him of searches to fill faculty positions in academia, Paul happens to work in the in the sector where they open it wide but they usually know in advance who they actually want for the position.
3: That's a great comparison, Paul. And I've been around, not even in academia, those kinds of situations where they, they, yeah. they you know who they're going to hire, but they have to go through the motions to, to keep it open just in case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they end up hiring who they're going to hire. So you're right. That is very similar. As far as the, the on the ground, New York report, again, I love that we've got somebody in Arlington, somebody in New York uh, who, or at least Northern Virginia uh, who can comment on this. I was in Long Island city for a a wedding Ron Richards got had his his wedding there uh in Queens a year ago a little more than a year ago but a year ago in October uh and that is a very I don't know it, it I wouldn't want to say it's a hipster area but it's trying to be uh there are a lot of loft it's a neighborhood that, yes and,
2: it's seen a yeah. lot of development and if
3: that development isn't paying off then yes they're absolutely going to want to try to lure Amazon in. Because apparently some of the other folks in that area have been even downsizing and moving their their businesses out, their corporate businesses out. Uh, so yeah, this this kind of is ripe for the pickings for Amazon, the way Paul describes it, and is going to bring up those gentrification concerns uh for sure.
2: So we've got Arthur and Paul kind of uh you know on the ground at the new HQ2s. Uh, but then there's Eric, who's a tech worker in Columbus, Ohio, who wrote and saying, It's hard to overestimate the impact on the tech job market this would have had in his area, especially given how Amazon was saying it would be a headquarters on par with Seattle. So big. Eric says, with Amazon basically deciding to just expand to two existing offices, it feels like a bait and switch. That Amazon was just using us to get better tax breaks for what it already knew it was going to do. I realize Columbus never had the best chance, but to come away feeling that you never really had a chance was where just being used hurts.
3: Yeah. And this is where, even though Arthur's right about Amazon's operations, maybe really not being related in Northern Virginia. I don't know if that makes Eric feel any better Uh, when he's like, well, so you already had a presence there and now you're, you're going to go there. Oh, and even if you don't consider the presences that they had there, New York and Washington DC areas, uh, pretty obvious selections. And if you're Columbus thinking like, hey, maybe we have a chance, this would really help us. We've got a university, uh, we've got skilled workers, you know, this would really propel what is a, a thriving city to thrive even more and 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 get us, you know, in the game a little more. I imagine Kansas City and a few other places feel the same way.
2: Well, and again, the promise of fifty thousand jobs and that was somewhat vague, but that was that was the number that got thrown out when when Amazon said that it was you know looking for its its new headquarters um again and and as Eric describes, it would have made a big difference in something like Columbus, Ohio. It would have made a big difference in a lot of places uh it would have made big difference anywhere, but there are certain regions where you know you, you, you the 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 job market would have um, transformed the city. Not a bigger uh,
3: impact for sure. Yeah,
2: exactly. So, so yeah, it just goes to show you. all, you know, all the stuff, and and I think that all of the feedback we got on this um is is really eye opening and 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 super appreciated. Uh, to remember how how things are different depending yeah. on where you live, but I also think it really illustrates how strong Amazon is to, you know, be crushing dreams and, and, you know, having people say, well, hold on a second, you know, you weren't even really being serious about the fact that you were going to come to our city. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's the power of Amazon. I can't think of that many other companies that, that would have such a big impact.
3: Yeah. I, I love, first of all, that, that we got uh, not just emails about this. We, and we, we got lots of emails with opinions, uh, but, but emails from people who are there. Like, I'm in Northern Virginia. I live here. I'm in New York. I live here. I'm in Columbus. I'm in one of the cities that didn't get it. And here's my opinion. Uh, it, it's better than just hearing our opinions. We get to flush it out a little with some perspectives from people on the ground. So thank you for that. Uh, I don't fault Amazon for picking these cities. Picking these cities makes sense. You are near Cornell in New York, uh, as as I, I think uh, in another part of his email, uh, Paul mentioned, uh, and as Arthur mentioned, you're, you're right there, uh, next to the university, uh, in Virginia. Uh, so, you know, uh, he and PD both pointed out Virginia tech is even expanding its campus there. That was one of the important things. Uh, you've, you've got, uh, some, you know, some, some infrastructure benefits to New York and, and Arlington. And, and I think that government, Contract business that Amazon is trying to build is absolutely why they picked that. Those all make sense. I don't think that Amazon shouldn't have picked these. I don't love the fact that they went around using other cities as bargaining chips. On the one hand, maybe it's super smart, right? They got a better deal than they would have otherwise. But you also have a company in Amazon that doesn't get a lot of the negative feelings that a Google or a Facebook get these days. And I feel like they may have burned a little bit of that credit. Maybe not all of it, but they burned some of it here.
2: Well... Somebody who doesn't burn anything with us is a person in our subreddit. <laughs> Thanks, everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com. We're also on Facebook. Hang out. Facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Feedback appreciated in both places.
3: Hey, folks. Uh, we are uh, in the midst of, of changing things around on the Patreon. And one of the things you can get now, which I, I don't know if this makes a difference if you're not a patron, but if you are... You can choose whether to back us at the Good Day Internet tier or the DTNS tier for the same amount of money. Same money, but you pick which reward you want. The DTNS tier gives you just this show. If you're like, I want the show without commercials on Patreon with my customized patron RSS feed and I still get my bonus shows or whatever else I get, then you can choose that. If you still want Good Day Internet, which has the pre-show and the post-show and us talking about... Uh, what kind of cough drop we are and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> you can still get that too. That that is there as well if that's your it's that's your deal. And I know a lot of you guys like that. Uh, so I'm very excited that, that you have those choices now directly through Patreon. Uh, so go to patreon.com slash pledges if you're already a patron and you can choose that. And if one of the reasons you've been holding off is like, oh I just I just want an easy way to get the RSS feed with just DTNS, well now's your chance. Patreon.com slash DTNS.
2: Feedback appreciated. You know, we love it. You help make our show. Our email address is feedback at com. We are live Monday through Friday at 4 30 p.m. Eastern, 21 30 UTC. If you can join us, great to have you live. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com/slash live. I hope you get better, Scott Johnson. We miss you. Back tomorrow
3: with Justin Robert Young. Talk to you then.
0: This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at FrogPants.com.
3: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.
0: <laughs> Hi, this
1: is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools,